I had no intentions using this board this morning. Still don't know that I will, but you know, I guess you guys are just forced to go through ups and downs of life with me and how God moves in my life. You know, me being the guy that's going to be up here most Sundays, you know, you just, you just stuck with me. You know, that's just the way that it is. And well, I appreciate it, I guess. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, all right? But, uh, I, you know, I am who I am and I is who I is. So uh, where, I, where I am right now in life and what some things that I'm going through is I'm kind of going through this whole uh, recalculation or this whole uh, um, re-identification of who I am or really remembering who I am because well, I'll tell you one thing. Just like you have your life and you have everything that's going on in your life, you have to continually remind yourself who you are and, and what you're doing and where you're going. I have to do the exact same thing. You have influences in your life that pull and tug at you. You have different things speaking into your life that say different things and lead you to different places and all of these things. And I'm not, I don't think I'm having a midlife crisis. I don't have my midlife yet. I don't think so. I'm still pretty young. I mean, Mark, you're old, right? And so I'm not as old as you are, so I'm still doing pretty good. Uh, I don't think anything like that, and I'm not having a crisis or anything like that, but just in my spiritual walk and really as a pastor, as a preacher, as a church leader, as a church planner, I've, had, I've really been forced to ask some questions here lately because just like your things pressed on you, things press on me too. And I have to ask myself, am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I going in the direction that God's, God wants me to go in? Am I taking the church in the direction that God wants me to take the church? Am I, am I doing what needs to be done in the church, me and, and the rest of the elders? Not that I make all the calls, but we've been asking these questions. Why do we do what we do? Why do you do what you do? The little things in the church, you know, which all the ministries, the ministries that we have at the apartments and the bucket groups and the greeting and the this and the that and all this great security. We want to go back and ask the questions. And we said we're going to do this from the very beginning. What we want to do is we want to, we want to do church like the Bible says to do church. We don't want to get so locked into any certain tradition that that tradition then hinders the Holy Spirit or it hinders the movement of God or the truth of the gospel, okay? So we, we want to continually redefine who we are as a church because what happens is, is that we want to look down our nose at the Baptists or the Pentecostals or the Methodists or the whoever else. And they say, well, they make you wear a suit and tie over there. They make you do this. They make you read that verse. You can't do this and you can't do that. Well, all we're doing is, is that we're doing the tradition on the opposite side. Well, you look down your nose at people over here for wearing a suit. And it's, it's the same thing. It's all judgment. It's all, it's all works-based religion. And so we want to continually go back and say, no, I don't care what you wear as long as you got on clothes, you know. Uh, just come and let's get down for Jesus Christ. Let's open up the Bible. Let's learn from the Bible. What does it say about God? And let's do that. Okay, when we decide what type of ministry we want to do, let's do that. Let's do what the Bible says to do. Let's make it all about Jesus Christ. And everything else that we do is to drive towards Jesus Christ. The end mark is Jesus Christ. Amen. If we're doing it for any other reason, then we're wrong. And that includes church growth. If we do what we do just to get numbers in, then there's a problem, right? 
If we do, if we put on programs and we got lights and we got this and we got that and the guy on the stage is trying to be funny and it's all to, to consumer drive things and get people in, we've got a problem. Because we need to be preaching the gospel. Now, if, if God so chooses to bring a million people, praise God. But if God chooses to bring 50, praise God. We are called to preach and plant and go and do and water and let God be the God of the increase. You say, what does this got to do with me? Well, as I have been searching out and, and re-evaluating, re evaluating and, and, and looking back, okay, at myself and why it is that I do what I do, what I start to realize is, is that, that, that I too get off track and I can catch myself looking at different things and even good things. And I can start to look at these things. And I can start to put time into these things, energy into these things, uh, momentum into these things, wanting to go a certain direction. But have I sought God to see if that's where I need to go? <clears throat> Today's sermon is entitled, we start the upside down kingdom today. I had the hardest time figuring out what sermon to preach first. I have been all over the Bible. I have searched and I have searched and I have looked and I have looked and I have prayed and I have prayed and it came down to this. I'm going to just talk uh, out of the Bible, okay, this morning. That's what we're going to do today. I don't really know what else to do. I don't have a three-point all-piece sermon, okay? It may not be uh, uh, homiletically correct if, if any of us even know what that word means, but I'm going to preach from my heart. And that's what God told me. He said, well, this is kind of off already. We're going to go wherever God wants us to go, okay? But now I was in the room earlier, and me and some guys were praying, and God started showing me some things through this one particular text. And I said, okay, I think that's where God wants us to go. All of it is kind of based around the same idea, similar idea, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, the upside-down kingdom. The upside-down kingdom, what, what this whole idea is, and I'm, I didn't, this didn't originate with me. I heard this somewhere else, but I have just been thinking about it along uh, along the road and, and, and kind of been thinking about it in life and thinking about it over the past several years as this idea has presented itself to me. And the whole idea behind the upside down kingdom is that Jesus Christ inaugurated the kingdom of God when he came into the world to save men. Okay. Now, Jesus has always existed. He is the eternal son of God. So I'm not saying that he is new, but the work that he did started this, this kingdom of God that would come back to the earth, that would make everything new. He is going to make everything perfect. And, and we will see in the end, the kingdom of God joined with men, men with the kingdom of God. God said, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will dwell among you. So what I want to show you is, is that the world that we're in right now, the kingdom of the world, for lack of a better way, okay, I don't have room to write full sentences or I would, and the kingdom of God. What I want to show you in the upside down kingdom is that these two are diametrically opposed to one another. They are counter to one another. They are exactly opposite of one another. <clears throat> Everything that the kingdom of the world tells you to do, the kingdom of God tells you to do the otherwise. 
This means, what this means is, is that one of them's upside down. Now we say the upside down kingdom, meaning that Jesus Christ inaugurated the upside down kingdom coming into this earth, coming into this world. But really, in all honesty, if our perspective is right, the world is upside down and Jesus Christ and his kingdom is right side up. So the problem is, is that though we live in the world, so as we look at the kingdom of God, it looks as if it's upside down. What we need to understand is, is that as we come into the kingdom of God, as we are born into the family of God, we then belong to the kingdom of God and not to this world. Jesus Christ said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was of this world, my men would fight. But my kingdom is not of this world. Neither are you from this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Our source is not this world. So you really are weirdos. I'm not even kidding you. Some of you are weirdos anyway, but now you're extra weirdo because you've come to know Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, this probably won't make a lot of sense to you. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how everything that the world tells you is wrong. Everything that the world tells you is wrong. Now, if you're of the world and you're not of the king, if you're not of Christ, then you're going to look and say, this guy's stupid. Because it seems as if compared to the world, I'm giving you crazy advice. But I'm going to read the Bible. So we will be okay. All right? Before I do any of that, let's pray. Jesus, I am a flawed and failed human being. But I am covered and washed in the blood. Therefore, I am standing here not on my own righteousness, power, or authority, or word, but on yours. Today, I pray that you would affect my heart as much as theirs with the words that will come out of my mouth that I will preach from this book. I pray, God, that you, would, uh, that you would protect us from anything that would be uh, a misunderstanding, that you would help us with, with, with granting us wisdom, that you would help us with granting us uh, assurance of what it is that you are teaching, that you would open up our hearts to understand the truth, open up our minds and connect our minds with our hearts so that we might have proper perspective and be able to live according to the word of God. That's what I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, <laughs> you are living life. You are, what I mean by that is you are going forward, okay? You are doing something right now, okay? You are taking progressive steps and moving in a certain direction. We have to, right? Uh, we, are, we occupy our day with something, we occupy our life with something, and so we're doing all this stuff. And so we tend to think of it in, in movements, okay? So you are moving in a certain direction. So we are, we are born, and then we start to live in this life. And we go day after day, and we move, and we do things like uh, we learn, we, uh, we, we graduate from one school to another, or one grade to another. Then we go out into the workforce, and then we meet a girl or a guy, and we develop a relationship. And all of this is thought of as progressive movements in this life, okay? And a lot of those are. You just go on and on and on until you get to the very end. I've heard many people talk about how <laughs> it seems as if their life is just one endless motion or one endless cycle. They just do and they do and oh, it's just. And we, we see ourselves as this. Now what the world would tell you is, is that as you move in this direction, you need to do certain things in order to make your life meaningful. Okay? Right? 
right? You need to do certain things in order to make your life mean something or in order to uh, have success in life. Well, what are some of those things? What are some of those things? Money. Yeah, money is a big one. What else? Huh? Kids, house, right? Uh, a good job, fame, maybe fortune, to have a good name, a good reputation, uh, to be uh, highly uh, commended among men, right? <laughs> so we have all of these things that would what? Everything that we just named, uh, we name because of what? Who does it do well for? Us. So is this type of, it's a selfish ambition, right? Now, that's not always terribly negative, depending on what the motives are in the foundation, but let's just call a spade a spade. If we live our house, so at the end of it, we could have a house, we could have kids, we could have money, we could have fame, we could have, you know, we could even make a dance out of that, right? Right? We, but what's at the end of it? And now we've done this in a little other way, but I want to show you a little bit more today. What's at the end of it? Mm, huh? Come on, all together. Me, yes. Or you, right? So we do all of these things and we live life and we think that we are progressing. Okay? But we call a spade a spade and we say selfish ambition. Sorry if you can't see this or you can't read it. So we're living in a direction and we're doing what we're doing. And most of us, even those of us who call ourselves Christians, we live in this way. We, now we might say, well, I know that all this benefits me, but I'm actually doing it for the Lord. <laughs> really? I know he called me to go to Africa, but he didn't really mean it. Me. Me. Okay, now, <clears throat> this is on you. you you've got to make your own judgment call. I'm going to get into the Bible, and I'm going to just read some scripture, uh, and this will depict the upside-down nature of the kingdom. Because what I want you to know is, now, there's, there's a few things that we need to do in a sermon. Number one is we need to find the context. Why did he write what he wrote to who he wrote? We need to figure that out because that's very important. We can get the original meaning of the text. That's the meaning of the text, okay? The second thing is, is that we need to try to figure out how does this then apply to us? We find the meaning. The meaning is what the meaning is. Okay, now how does that affect me? What changes should that make happen in my life? Or what should I do now that I've read this and found the meaning? And then the third thing is, is that we need to find how it points to Jesus Christ. And really, those two, the last two, need to be interchangeable. Because we really need to find out what the meaning is, how it points to Christ, and then we can rightly apply it to our life. Okay? So let's get into the Word of God. Let's figure out what the Word of God says, and then let's apply it. Now, what I want, to, what I want you to know is <clears throat> this may be one of the most applicable series that I've ever done at the well, meaning that I, you know, a lot of times we get deep, we go, we go, we go into the Bible, we look, we've looked at the tabernacle and all these things, and you might be left at the end of those sermons going, that's cool and everything, but what does that mean for me, Okay. What I want you to know is you need to be writing today or listening very well because if you will apply what I'm telling you to in your life, if you will put these things into practice, your life will start to transform. Your life will start to transform and you will find yourself becoming who God wants you to be. Amen. We must apply the Bible to our life. So let's read the Bible. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6. 
<clears throat> starting in verse 20. And I am going to actually start in verse 20. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. I'll give you a second to get there. It's on the screen as well. Chapter, chapter 6, verse 20 says this. And he lifted up his eyes, that being Jesus, on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed, blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Verse 24, this is very important. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Mm. Everybody go, ooh. One more time, but like you really did get hit in the gut. Ooh. Now, does that sound at all like worldly wisdom? How many people get cussed out and they'd be like, yes. <laughs> Woo. I was looking to get cussed out today. Thank you. What would you call that person? weirdo. Say it with me. Weirdo. Now look at your neighbor and say, I'm a weirdo. Say, you already told him he was a weirdo. That's not right. <laughs> so the world is telling us to go in a certain direction and we need to progress and, and, and we need to move forward in this way. And at the end of that is me. Now I'll draw another line right here because we need to make a, a distinction <clears throat> between the way that Jesus lives and the way that he said to live and the way that we live and the way the world says we should live. So we have world, and I was going to mix this up a little bit. I, you know, God gives me word pictures, and, and this is the only way I know. So we've got kingdom of the world or worldly riches. Now, we need to really get into some of this because we need to break the text down a little bit because if we just read it like it is and we just took it for what it was, then it might give us a little bit of a misunderstanding. And we kind of saw that a little bit when I was talking to Dustin and Robert this morning as we kind of coming out because what it, what it said is, blessed are, the, blessed are the ones who are poor. Blessed are those who are poor for, their, for they will inherit the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Okay, Blessed are the poor, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean if you have money, then you're automatically condemned and, and damned to hell? Well, that's what the Bible says. You don't think the Bible's right? Just kidding with you. We've got to get in up under it. Let's, let's let the Bible interpret the Bible. Let's see if we can find this same thing somewhere else, and we can. <clears throat> Matthew 5, 3 uh, is the correlation to this, or the parallel verse to this. And Matthew 5, 3 says this. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now it adds a little bit there so that we can have a better understanding, a better understanding of what it means because what we find in the scriptures is that God, Jesus, speaks a lot about money. And while we know that the scripture says the love of money, okay, can be the root of all kinds of evil. The root of money can be the root of all kinds of evil, okay? So we know that money is very, very dangerous. So all of you in this room that have lots of money, and some of you are like, well, that ain't me. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You see, here in America, the poor are still rich. You may not think you're rich because of who you're sitting beside, or because of your neighbor, but you are. You see, that's the thing about money. Nobody thinks they're rich and nobody thinks they're greedy because they surround themselves with people who are just like them. You go over to the poorest neighborhood in Landrum and spend a week, you will realize how rich you are. And if you live in that neighborhood, go over to Nicaragua where I spent a week, you will realize how rich you are. But nevertheless, it's not exactly what it's talking about here. It does have something to do with it, but it's not exactly what it's talking about here. What we need to do is look up under this and say, okay, well then what does this word mean? <clears throat> when we break down and it says in Matthew 5, 3, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, the word there for poor is a word in the Greek that means, that can also mean humble. It can mean this, this lowly in spirit, humble in spirit, poor in spirit. What it means is, is that you have a longing, a deep longing for something that can not be found here. You don't have it yet. You don't have what you need yet because it can't be found here on earth. You're poor in spirit. You can be poor in spirit, but rich in money. Now, those are a very hard combination to find, but it is possible. Sometimes God blesses people with money who can handle that and they have no problem giving it away. But how easy it is to slip into loving money to loving things and getting your fulfillment through those things. That word there is uh, actually a word is, is patokos. And, and this word in the Greek in Matthew 5 has added to it the spirit pneumati. And so when we see poor in spirit, we know now that we can understand that this is the, 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 the exact opposite. Worldly riches would be spiritual poverty. Now, you need to understand that I don't mean physical riches, though it might correlate, and I don't mean physical poverty. We do not preach a poverty gospel. Just because you broke don't mean you're holy. I know a lot of broke jokers, right? Right? I've been one. I, you know, I, I, I can be one, okay? Just because you're broke don't mean you're holy, all right? And just because you're rich don't mean you're terrible, necessarily. Now, what I want to show you is, is that we live our life trying to get to worldly riches much of the time. And we go through these selfish, ambitious phases, and we think that progression is going up. And this would be known as being first. Right? In order to progress in the world's eyes, you've got to be first. You've got to be the fastest. You've got to be the best. You've got to be the brightest. You've got to be the smart, smartest. You've got to go to the best colleges, right? You've got to drive the best car first. 
Got to be first. And you will step on people like a ladder in order to get to the top to be first. Everybody else got to be last so that you can be first. Right? Right? This is what the world says. You need to be first. If you want to move ahead in your company, what do you got to do? Mark your in sales. If you want to move to the number one spot in your company, what do you got to do? Sell the most. Be the best. Sell the most. Go the fastest. Go the hardest. And you then will be first. Okay? So this is a first, a first come, first serve, serve basis, selfish ambition, driving toward this. You'll do anything to get to the top. Now you say that doesn't sound like me. Really? Now, let's, let's oppose that. Let's put, let's put something on the other side of it. We said that the opposite of worldly riches is spiritual poverty. <clears throat> and we find Jesus living in this direction. And so here is Christ. Uh-oh. Who, now, Christ, in his progression, Jesus said that the last will be first and the first will be last. So he flips everything over on its head and he says, everybody's telling you to get to riches. You need to promote yourself. You need to promote everything that you are. You need to be the best. You need to live life to the fullest. Go out to the max. If they get in your way, run over them. But Jesus Christ said that you need to lay everything down. See, this is living here on the earth. Live your life now. Get all that you can. Live it, live it, live it, live it. Do all that you can to make your life as good as you can here on earth. But Jesus says you need to die. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So here we have progress, prog progress, progress, but it's going in the opposite direction of what the world says progress does. Those who want to be the greatest, what? They have to serve. Those who seek to gain their life will lose it. But those who lose their life on my account will gain it. So progression in the kingdom of God is exactly opposite than the progression in the kingdom of the world. It's, it's, it's exactly opposite. You've got to give everything away. You've got to be last. Put everybody before you. You've got to, you've got to put everyone else ahead of your own selfish interest. Now we see pro progressing in the kingdom of God going this way. And so we name it, this is sanctification. Sacrifice. Now, there's another place in the scriptures that I want to end up today, and it's in Ephesians. I didn't know exactly if I was going to do it or not. I've just been kind of praying for direction. But look, I just want you to turn and be ready for Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Because all of this is all well and good, but I've kind of told you some of this stuff before. And if you've been in church, then you can, you've, you've got some of this. You, you kind of understand this if you've been in church for a while. The problem is you don't live it out. And I have a hard time living it out too. The question we really need to ask is, what does it look like? Aren't you tired of playing games? How many of you in here are tired of playing games? I mean, I don't want to just... You know, and this is what I was telling you about just personally in my own life. Now, I, I preach here, you know, just about every Sunday. 
And so there's all these expectations on what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a pastor, what it means to be a church planner, what it means to be a, a, a godly father, or a godly husband, all these things. And so what we end up doing is, is that we work and we work and we work and we work and we work to be a better Christian. I'm not so sure about that. It's hard to explain. You need to stop it. You need to stop trying to be the best. Don't you see? We're playing right into the enemy's hand. So we become a Christian, and we become a Christian how? By our works or by the Spirit? But then all of a sudden, now that we're Christians... We think that we pick up where we left off and start trying to work our way into the kingdom that we've already been born into. It's so easy. It's so easy to get trapped in this cycle. It's so easy to, to forget who we are. Hold on one second. I told you I was just going to try to follow the Lord. I, I meant it, so you'll have to wait just a second. Listen to this. This is Galatians and what? Did I do something crazy? Oh, yeah. Holy Spirit is moving up in there. <laughs> Listen to this. Oh, man, there's such a fine line. You see, Paul battled this with the Galatians. He battled it with the Corinthians. He battled it with the Ephesians. He battled it with all the Pharisees. Because if I tell you that in order to be more like Christ, you've got to stop trying so hard to be like Christ. Well, then the, the fear of some preachers that would say that is like, or you just told them they can do whatever they want to do and they're going to go to heaven. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But what I'm telling you is, is that if you begin by the Spirit and then pick it up with the works of the law, then you are not going to be what God called you to be. Because that's not how we got to this point. But you need to come to God through the Spirit of God and then continue to progress through the Spirit of God. Laying down your selfish ambitions, laying down yourself every minute of every day and listening to the Holy Spirit and continuing to follow the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes that's hard because it means you have to sit down, shut up, and listen for God to speak and then move. We can't be patient. We're like, we came into God by the Holy Spirit. We were burst out. We came in. We came in saying, all right, what you got for me, boss? Well, God, Jesus is like, hold on a second. Let's get to know each other. You need to start to understand my language. You need to start to understand how to hear from me so that then you can know which way to go. Listen to what Paul says. Oh, foolish Galatians. This is in Galatians chapter 3. <clears throat> oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing it with faith? 
Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, here's how that relates to me and where I am in life. I work really hard. I try to uh, do everything that I can so that the church will grow, so that the whatever, so that the business will grow, so that my family will grow. But, but I have realized, I'm going to confess, is this, a, is this a place where it's okay to not be okay? I'm going to confess something to you now. In the past maybe couple of months, I've taken my eyes off of God in, in seeking his leadership on which direction to go to do any type of growing, to do any type of anything. And I've taken over the helm myself, not even realizing it hardly. The Bible says in Hebrews that be careful lest you drift from the truth. Now, that's not to say that I've committed horrible atrocities. But you know, what's more horrible of an atrocity than to take your eyes off of God and, and close your ear to the movement of the Holy Spirit? We need to oftentimes sit in silence and listen for the Lord. To wait for him to speak. To wait for him before we take a step. We need to be ready to close the door if he says to close it. Take a step if he says to take it. Take a step back if he needs to take it. Do whatever God is calling us to do. Because many times the things that we think that we should do are only because the world has convinced us that this is what we need to do. That job, that, that opportunity, that car, that debt that you're going to go into. Why are you doing that? Why am I doing that? Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for God or is it for something else? So, so here, I want, to, I want to kind of finish this out. I want to get into Ephesians for a second. got a few more minutes. This is, this, is, this is how this works. So on this side... The first... Okay, that Jesus Christ, he came from heaven, he gave everything away, he is first, but he ended up being last. He was, he was brutally murdered. Murdered. Okay? He was brutally murdered on the cross for your sins. He poured himself out. He gave everything away so that he could make the payment I know this is getting jumbled. He poured himself out in death to progress life, to sanctify you by paying for your sin. He was the last. He was thought of as the least. Brutally murdered. He was spiritually impoverished. He looked at the Father and says, Father, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many live this life, and they may be last at first, but they want to be first. And they work themselves up, and they end up first on this side. They get what they want. Everything that their heart desires, they step on everybody to the way. Maybe they even do it without stepping on anybody, but they just do it by giving up everything that God called them to be. And they have what they have, and... It's wonderful to them. Great riches, whether in family, money, whatever it is. Well, let's read in Luke 6, 
and verse 24. We need to compare 20 and 24. 20 says, blessed are, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Verse 24 says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. So Jesus Christ, he is the first, but he came to die and end up last to make a payment for sin. We are born in poverty, and we live stepping on everybody to go from the last to the first to get a reward. Is this not completely upside down? Is that, is that crazy to anybody else but me? I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Jesus Christ died and went from first to last to make a pavement. We are born to go from last to first to get a reward. And the Bible calls it a consolation. So it's not even really a reward. What's the definition of consolation? A consolation is something you get because you didn't win. It is a little something because you didn't win. It is earning what you earnestly requested. So they get exactly what they asked for. Now, I don't know if this is too much or not, but I, I just want to share this. It is, this is blew my mind. The word for, con some of you appreciate this, some of you won't. That's okay, I'll do it for the few that will. The word consolation in the Greek is paraklesis. You say, I don't really give a rip. Consolation. For those that do care, the word that parallels is from the same root as, as consolation, paraklesis, parakleton, is the Holy Spirit, the helper. Oh, man. If you can't see how good that is, I'm so sorry. Upon death. Now here, now here is the here's the good part. I hope y'all are following me. I'm having so much fun. Okay, here we go. Christ was first. He went to last to make a payment. We're born last. We try to go to first to get a reward, but we actually get a consolation. When Jesus Christ, He is the first to be risen, and these are the last. This you on this side. If you will die, on this side you will live. If on this side you find your life and you live, on this side you will die. This side, the reward goes from consolation to reward or blessing or presence. You get Christ who is greater than all riches and if you get your reward here, you die here, and now you make the payment. Condemnation. Judgment. Here is glorification. And exaltation. Now, is that clear enough? Not the last part of the writing. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Extremely practical. Now, okay, you say, okay, I, I get that. I get that. 
This blew my mind. Okay? The exact opposite nature. You talk about the upside down kingdom, it is exactly opposite. Exactly opposite. Seek to be first and you will be last. Seek the reward here, you will make the payment there. Give away your life. Jesus Christ was the one that made the payment here. But if you die alongside of him and are justified by him and are sanctified with him, you will be glorified and lifted and you will live with him. If you die here, you'll live there. If you live here, you'll die there. If you are sanctified here, you'll be glorified there. If you're progressing selfishly ambitious here, you'll be condemned and judged there. Now, what does that look like in your life? Ephesians, and I'm just going to actually just read some verses and then we're going to be done. So if the, the um, band wants to come on up. This isn't magical. You know, I didn't do some kind of charismatic speech today where you laughed really good. I just want you to know the Bible. You know, I just want you to know the Bible. I want you to, when you stand before God, I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Listen, I had somebody tell me, <clears throat> or asked me this morning, Dustin actually asked me, said, what does this mean then for people, where's the line at for people who, you know, they work, they're trying to make a living for themselves, they, they have a job that they're committed to, they're trying to, you know, move into a nicer house, they want to get a nicer car, where does this fit with that? It really doesn't have all that much to do with it. Because remember, it's not about, it's not about riches, physical riches. Now, they can correlate. But it's about motivations. Why? The big question is why? Why do you pursue that job so ravenously? Why do you want that bigger house? Why do you want that car? Why do you want that job? Why is it that you are putting in all these hours at work? What's the motivation behind it? <laughs> is your motivation Christ? Are you seeking him? Has Christ called you to, to that job so that you can make more money to help fund a church plant or a missionary or so that you can save up and then go on a trip or so that you can give to the weary, to the poor, to the impoverished? Why do you do what you do? So that you can grow a big bank account? Be careful, those of you who store up great riches on this side that moth and thief get to. You should work and, 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 and do your life in such a way that you store up riches in heaven where moth and thief cannot get to it. Why, why do you do what you do? You need to reevaluate. I've reevaluated. I'm standing here looking. I'm going, Lord, change my heart. Come in and, and make me new. Check everything. The things that are good, leave them. The things that aren't, destroy them. Lord, I need your help. And I want to tell you something right now. This world has nothing to offer you. It may seem good for a little while. But in the end, it's destruction. I think we might go into this right here a little bit deeper next week. These verses. But I want to give them to you to kind of be stirring around in your heart. You want to be... Cole, you want to be powerful man of God, do you? You want to be wealthy beyond all circumstances. You want to be, you want to live in such a way that people come to you, even if you're poor, they come to you and say, how can I be like you? 
what do you got? What are you doing? They're going to ask you, do you got money somewhere? What kind of program you on? Are you taking a pill? Is it a diet? No, can't find it here. Paul says this, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. You want a good name? You want a good name? How about Jesus Christ? That according to the riches of his glory, you want riches? His glory is all you need. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you. It's not something you can take. You can't climb this ladder, guys. You can't make or force. The Spirit blows where He wants. But we plead to the Father that He might grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Through what? Not through not through promotion. Not through money, not through children, not through a husband, not through a wife, but through the Spirit of God. How much time have you spent with Jesus Christ this last week? Robert, wasn't it you and I that was talking, and he was saying that Andrew was sharing with us the other, or with them the other day. You want to be more spiritually in tune? You want to be more like Christ? Then spend more time with him. Spend more time with him. You see, we say we're Christians. And we say that we want him as our reward. But do we go after him as hard as we go after money? Do we go after Christ as hard as we go after material things? Do we seek to make Christ the center of our world, even above our husband, our wife, our children? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. As we all stand to our feet. I... I just kind of wanted to come back to the basics today. As we start this series, The Upside Down Kingdom, I'm telling you, friend to friend, brother to brother and brother to sister, the world is lying to you. It's lying to me. Even the children children of God in the room, he's trying to fool you. See, you started well. You started in the Spirit because He's the only one that can give life. But now you've turned away and started looking to works. We'll talk about the the owner of the vineyard next week. You see, they were working their tails off thinking it was getting them somewhere. But you are not rewarded based on your works. You are rewarded based on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Pursue that. Put all your eggs in that basket. Go after him with all that you've got. 
Jesus. Make him the center of your life. When you get up in the morning, think of him, read of him, pray to him, sing to him. When you go to bed at night, read about him, pray to him, meditate on him, sing about him. Make him the center of everything. It may cost you the world, but it'll gain you everything. For what good does it do a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Jesus. 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 Lord, I thank you so much for these that are here. As we open the the altar here for them to respond. I, I really just, just a guy. Not a spectacular sermon today, but you know we spoke the name of Jesus Christ. And that's all. That's all we need. The whole band wasn't here today. Just a couple of guitars and some voices and some other instruments. God, we need you. There's nothing that we can do to add to you or to take away. There's nothing I can do to convince these guys that they need you. But Lord, you can stir in their hearts. You can move through this place and set it on its edge. You can move through this place and set a blaze of fire that would rage and light the whole town of Landrum, Campobello, Lyman, Spartanburg, Greenville, Hendersonville, Polk County, everywhere, God. That's what we need to see the gospel go forward. Not cooler stuff. More dedicated servants. Not a greater, not a greater stance. But more people on their knees. As we open this altar, I pray for repentance. God, I pray for faith. I pray for salvation and I pray for direction and vision. Move in our hearts, oh Jesus. Amen. The altar is open. Come and respond to however God has moved in your hearts. Back to the basics, guys. Back to the basics. <laughs>